I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Magic, the podcast where you come for the tech but stay for the magic. I'm your host, Kathy Hackle. I'm a tech and gaming executive, and I'm really looking forward to this end of the year and what's to come in 2024. I am joined by my amazing guest co-host, Lee Keebler. Lee, what's up? Where in the world are you? Uh, yes, I am. I think I'm with most people where... We are uh, on that family travel schedule right now, um, so I'm I'm seeing family down in Florida. Uh, so got a little bit of a break from the cold weather and and got down to the Sunshine State for a little bit. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I'm I'm heading down to Costa Rica as well in a couple of days, and uh, yeah, we can't wait to like go have some fun at the beach. And you know, <laughs> while everyone is getting is being cold up here in DC, we're gonna be swimming in the beach. So hey. oh, this is yeah. temporary for me. I'm, I'm we're gonna I get to go visit in laws in Omaha, Nebraska next week. So oh, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get the cold weather experience as well. No beach in Omaha, so there you go. <laughs> no. Maybe a lake beach, but that's a totally different story. It's <laughs> a different story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, excited. You know, this is, uh, you know, episode 11. And uh, we still have this episode and then another episode um, before the end of the year, I believe. Am I right? I think that's no, I think that's correct. One for every month. That's so crazy. So yeah, yeah, 12, 12, 12 months of, uh, you know, 12 episodes of Christmas or whatever. Uh, so yeah, you know, this one will be, will be kind of a little bit short and sweet because I know, you know, folks are already starting to kind of unwind and head on their travels. So we'll get right into it. Um, well, you got to give them something to listen to on the plane ride. Yeah. Or on the long drive home. That's right. Know, family. When um, it's real quiet and you don't want to talk to each other anymore. We know. <laughs> Yeah, we can be here for you. We'll support you during this time. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, things are good on my end. Uh, I've been very busy. I just finished the manuscript for my fifth book. Um, oh, wow. So, not it's it, obviously you write nonfiction. I mean, you write fiction. I write nonfiction. <laughs> One so, day we'll figure out a way to combine those two. Yes. I'll okay, make for a very confusing book. <laughs> What's real? What isn't? I don't know anymore. What's real? What isn't real? Oh my gosh. And we'll bring it into mixed reality. Who knows? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, so yeah, you know, I was very busy um, the last, I would say, week and a half, um, really trying to finish the manuscript in record time with my co-author, Irina Cronin, who was a guest. So yeah, very excited about the book that's coming out um, next year, late April, early May. It's called Spatial Computing, an AI-Driven Business Revolution. 
And I am so excited about this book. I can't tell you. I'm so thrilled. It sounds like a big hit for 2024. And I'm not just saying that. I think those are the tech pinnacles that we're going to see in the next year. And it's going to be a very important topic. Yeah, it's that convergence of spatial computing and AI and, you know, everything that's happening, mixed reality. I mean, I'm just, you know, for those of us that have been working at the intersection of, you know, XR, AI, computer vision, um, you know, AR, VR, mixed reality, spatial computing, like next year is going to be such an exciting year. So just thrilled. It's going to be amazing. I'm not just saying that. I'm I'm more excited for 2024's technology than I have been in many years. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm I'm super thrilled, and we'll get to it in 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 you know in uh, in this in this episode. But um, I did want to talk about an article that you sent me about the Murderbot Diaries. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us about what's going on with Mur- Murderbot Diaries. What happened? Well, hold on, I got to go pull it up. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that to be the first. Article. It's the first story. We're talking about something random. So the Murderbot Diaries are a work of fiction. That you um, that you told me about, yeah. Yeah, I told you about because my neighbor uh, actually told me about it. Uh, I do a lot of work with her, and you know they've produced uh, they ho- they've helped me produce other podcasts. Uh, they produced my course on Metaverse and Web three, and she's the one that told me about it. And she said she raved about it, so I bought it. I read the series, and it's fantastic. Um, you know, so if anyone's looking for like a um, you know <laughs> an AI you know, AI fiction uh, kind of story uh, to read over the next couple of days. That's a good place to start. But it's been very successful. So successful that, Lee? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I I had to go pull it up. I wanted to make sure that it got it right because it was a Hugo Award winning sci-fi book, first and foremost. Yeah. Like it, it's definitely one of those must reads. And if you're into the sci-fi fiction space, like myself or like Kathy, you've probably already read it. But what is fantastic is Apple has finally announced that they are adapting uh, the the book to a series, which they've, you know, at first when I heard Apple was doing this, I was on, I was on the edge and then I watched Silo, which is based off yeah. of uh, the fantastic science fiction book, Wool. Um, I mean, it is the book Wool. They just kind of like changed the name. Uh, and it, so I have, all high hopes for seeing uh, the Murderbot Diaries turn into a fantastic sci-fi series. And I think Apple's going to crush it. Their production value for content has over and over again proven to be unexpectedly amazing. Like you wouldn't necessarily think that a tech company has the ability to push out really high quality content, yet they continue to be tops in my book. there's a reason why people, you know, flock to Apple Plus and and you know use the Apple TV and and I think this is just going to be another one of those look forward to moments. Um, yeah. So it's definitely kind of in my queue. And it's Alexander Skarsgård, I think, that's playing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I'm like so thrilled. I'm a big fan. Um. So yeah, <laughs> I'm like it's going to be such an awesome adaptation. I can't wait to see it. Um. I'm a big fan of also uh for all for all mankind, which is like a space. Uh, a parallel universe where things go different in the space race. <laughs> um, yeah. But I watched that and I think, you know, great production value, fantastic and fantastic like story. The way they did craft everything is, and I'm sure they're using AI to, you know, do all the fake um, things that never happened in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, It'll be interesting um, to see how they pull this all together. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Um, so we do want to get into some of the really interesting stories 
this is like, we don't really talk much about this, but I'm a big fan of Adobe and I know you are too. Mm. Um, yeah, the Figma Adobe merger is no longer, it will not happen. And I know you had some thoughts on that. It, it was, I think everyone was super hopeful for it. I mean, it was going back and forth on on what the details would be and if they could ever work out the differences. I know that there were a couple of things that um, people were kind of looking at in the merger with regulations and the regulators were going back and forth. And I think at the end of the day, they just couldn't hammer it out. I don't know what the details are. It's just been announced that yeah. the Figma Adobe uh, combo was not going to move forward. Uh, that does not mean that Figma is not moving forward. Mm -hmm. They're both going to continue on. Uh, Figma's announcement is that their brightest days are still ahead of them. Figma's, for those who don't understand, don't know, is a collaborative tool um, that just for creatives to get into the same space in real time and be able to work on uh, a creative tool to build anything from like UI UX to like app layouts and things like that. Uh, just a really cool piece of, of technology that um, I know my team has been a big mm -hmm. fan of and has been using uh, in the hope was to see that come together with Adobe's uh, massive suite of tools and something uh, even bigger and more collaborative to roll out for people. Not going to happen this year. Not, not gonna doesn't happen. look like it's going to happen in the future either. So, yeah. uh, but you know, for those, those who are still interested in the tool. Yeah. I mean, they're, I think that Figma will be fine um, yeah. out of all of this. Uh, I think we just wanted to see the power that could come from that combination for sure. Yeah. That type of, you know, merger and integration would have been amazing. And I know a lot of us has, have used Figma, you know, for, uh, for you know brainstorming and collaborative and a whole bunch of different things so i would have i would have liked that i know that when they announced it at first a lot of creatives were creatives were really excited there were some people that were kind of concerned as well so you know it is no longer it is uh it is not going to happen so pretty sad to hear that and um i want to move on to a different story that we can do future or fad on so there was an article that came out um I believe it was last week I shared with you about a writer that went into Fortnite, um, into Marriott Von Voy's mm. Marriott Von Voy lands mm -hmm. Fortnite creative Island. And, and the article is scathing. Like, the article is like, so, you know, it, it's yeah. scathing in the sense that like, yeah, there are really cool things to do, but when he went there, the whole thing in the article is like, it was a ghost town. Yeah. So I think that tends to happen with some, some virtual worlds created for brands. And I'm not saying, you know, I haven't played it. I haven't been to the map. So I don't really know um, how, you know, if it's, if it's a, you know, if, if it's a ghost town right now or not, or if people are going back or, or playing it, but it does seem to be something that I've heard before. Um, maybe not so much in Fortnite. I've heard it many times from like Decentraland, for example, and I love the team there, but um, you know, a lot of people saying it's a ghost town, unless it's metaverse fashion week, like no one's hanging out. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts around it? Because, you know, you and I have both worked on building virtual worlds for, for big brands. You and I worked on Walmart land, for example. Yeah, I, I think I'm not surprised. Um, and I will, I do want to start by saying, I think that the article on this is unnecessarily scathing. Um, it very much felt like a piece that was written in the hopes of, I don't know, stirring up some type of 
response. I don't know. It just seemed yeah. it, it just seemed and reads um, clicks and reads. Yeah, yeah, it seemed a little too harsh for me. Um, drama for no sake. Like, OK, you didn't like what they built or there wasn't people in it. All right. That's fine. Uh, but and so I don't think that that was that was a, a fair, fair take on it. But what is a fair take on it is when a brand wants to do a installation of this magnitude, right? They they've decided they want to, as as they said in the article, stake their claim inside the metaverse in some way, shape, or form. Fantastic. But you don't just do it and walk away. Nobody, no no big brand, whether you're looking at um some of the like the one of my favorites is Vans World. Um, they did a great Roblox World, or mm-hmm. any of the uh, the pieces that have been successful. I really like the Aloe Yoga Roblox uh, oh, installation yeah. as well. They're just some really clever brands that you wouldn't expect to see go in there. The reason those worlds don't die is because they continue to contribute to its development, right? So. What I do think happens quite often and what I try to talk people out of, and I know that you do as well, is, okay, if you're going to build this, you have to know that this is an ongoing project. This isn't a build it and then it's done. Now, you can do that if it's a one-off campaign and you decide that you're only going to let this thing go for a little while and then you're going to shut it out. And a great example of that was um, Stranger Things when they were releasing their new season, they did a viewing party inside of Roblox. Mm-hmm. Beautiful world. It was really kind of creepy. The aesthetic was there. <laughs> People came to see it. People were interested and engaged in it, but it was short. When it was over, mm-hmm. it lasted for a couple of days. And when it was over, it was done. And yeah. they took it offline because they didn't want it to kind of sit on the vine and wither. Um, and I think that this is ultimately what happens when you see something like Marriott go in and they built a beautiful world. I did go mm-hmm. check it out. Um, but uh, if you don't continue and make it a longer running part of your identity and campaign, then you might get that initial bump and maybe that's all you want for it. But then you need to know when it's going to come offline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a part that the, that's the part that people miss. And then you come down, you know, four months later, five months later after this thing's launched and you get articles like this, which no one wants this in, in their branding articles. Right. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't be there if they had done their thing and then left. But otherwise, you got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. You got to keep things happening in there. Yeah, you got to keep it fresh and got to keep people finding it, right? Because that's right, another thing. Right. Like, obviously, this writer went there to experience the world and write about it. And what he, you know, the, the, the yeah, it was not a very, very. The, um, I, I, in my opinion, I think this writer waited to mm. go write about it because they were they knew what was going to happen. And they just had a, a a lot of I don't know angst they needed to unload into a into a keyboard. I, I, don't, keyboard. I don't know if they waited, but you know, because they might have been really busy writing other stories on AI. Sure, maybe, maybe. <laughs> it just seems like a but, weird thing to like all of a sudden you went in to go check out. Yeah, I'm gonna go check it out today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but hopefully, you know, hopefully the Marriott Bonvoy team um is gonna have activities next year and have a content calendar. I even, you know, you and I have talked with our, you know, past clients about creating content calendar, creating yeah. content, like keeping it fresh, right? And keeping people knowing that this exists and you know, this is how you get get there and stuff. It, it, so. This isn't an issue for, mm-hmm. for quote unquote metaverse, right? This is true yeah. for video games too, right? Mm-hmm. Like multiplayer video games come out and they have a, a, a massive surge in popularity 
and a year later, those servers are ghost towns because everyone who wanted to play it and played it together has played it. And it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to keep a lot of these multiplayer video games even relevant just as games, not even as like marketing metaverse material. Um, So it's just it's just a difficult landscape. You have to plan for it. Yeah. And uh, on the flip side, it was interesting. Um, I decided to venture into the mall this weekend. I'm not a bi- I, you know, I, yeah, I loved going to the mall as a teenager. I don't like going to the mall now. <laughs> and I'm obviously <laughs> not a teenager. Um, but I was going there to buy some some Lego at the Lego store. And I saw these kids in there, like, probably, I would guess, you know, 13, 12, 11. I don't know what age, but around there. And they were they were talking about some Legos, and then I heard them start to talk about the Lego Fortnite col- mm. collaboration, and I was like, "Oh, interesting!" So that kind of was was really cool. And then um, I went to lunch at a restaurant there at the mall, and then you know I sat down and listened to uh, you know <laughs> eavesdropped on the conversation. The family that was across from me it was uh, the you know the parents with two boys. Um, one was like probably sixteen, the other one probably. 12, 13, and they were talking about gaming. And even the mom was talking about gaming. And that to me was so interesting and so fantastic. And I was just like eavesdropping, just taking it all in. And the mom was trying to like say, talk about the games and stuff. And I was like, she is trying to be who I like, trying to do what I do, <laughs> trying to be the cool mom that knows what's going on with gaming. Um, so, I, you know, I got a good chuckle from that. Well, what, what games were they talking about? Oh my God. Gosh, um, they talked about Fortnite. They talked. Oh, they were talking about the trailer for uh, Grand Theft Auto, the new the tr- new trailer. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what else did they talk about? Gosh, I can't remember. But the mom, I think the mom mentioned something about Fortnite. Um, you know, I, I didn't take notes to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy day, but um, but yeah, they they definitely talked. They were talking about the trailer dropping and stuff. So I'm assuming that's what they were talking about. And um. Yeah, it was really, really interesting to listen to them. Well, and of course, when the mom started talking about gaming, they're like, "Mom, stop!" <laughs> in that in that vein, uh, what a lot of people are talking about this week has been the release of Asgard's Wrath Two. Yes, yes, I just got a message about that about um, some folks that worked on something really cool. Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, Asgard's Wrath was kind of on the when it was Oculus. Mm-hmm. Quest and Oculus headsets before Meta uh, changed the name. Um, they had a PC game called Asgard's Wrath, and it was kind of their first attempt at a what would be considered a AAA title, mm-hmm. many, many hours campaign. And it was great, but you had to have a big, beefy computer to attach your Oculus headset to it. Um, and so with the release of the Quest 3, every Quest 3 came with uh, Asgard's Wrath uh, for free. Um, if you have a quest two, you can still play it. Uh, it's I think $59 or something like that. Maybe it's Mm. cheaper than that. It might be 49 or something like that. I'd have to go back and check with the price. Um, but for quest three, it came with it packed in. And when I say the reviews are shockingly good, Mm. this might be the highest rated reviewed video game I've seen this year. And there's been like two Mario games come out this year. Mm-hmm. This true. game, yeah, this this game has gotten a perfect 10 out of 10 score from IGN. That is crazy. Are you kidding me? It 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 wow. happened. Uh <laughs> and and I thought to myself, surely something here is phoned in. And so I I went, I have a quest three. I played Asgard's Wrath One. I thought I'll go play the sequel. I uh I downloaded it and now granted, this is like maybe a 40 hour plus 
or more campaign. This is a full, yeah. this is a big game. This is a big, this is a commitment. Game. This yeah. is, yeah. And what really got me was the, the reviews were calling it virtual realities, uh, legend of Zelda. Um, like wow. it, it's that size of an open world where you go and you do all of these. Ama- I mean, it, it is, it is, it deserves its 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I'm probably six hours into it, which is pitily. Um, <laughs> and, but within the first two, I was, I was locked. Um, it, okay. it, it's, it's looking good. And IGN themselves even said this might be. VR's killer app video game. Like this is the game to get. So you just gave me a reason to open up my MetaQuest 3, which I have. Yes. <laughs> I am so bad. It's still there. It's um, so good. Maybe I need to do this. Okay. Because I remember them announcing things around the game um when it was Oculus at one of you know, before mm-hmm. Meta Connect, it used to be Facebook Connect and then mm-hmm. Oculus Connect. And you and I would go to Oculus Connect, right? Yep. Um yep. and I remember like many times on stage, Mark talking about it on in several of the keynotes. So that's interesting. The, I remember him talking about Echo, Echo Arena, but that yeah, closed yeah. down, I believe. That's not long they did. I love they, that one. And I think that'll come back. I think they've I got something. So. I think they it won't be Echo Arena, but there's no way they're going to let that go. Um, yeah. they're, they're behind the scenes working on some big games. I see a lot of good content coming out this year. Um, there's still, all of a sudden, some hints to um, Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. San Andreas on the quest has popped back up, especially now that GTA six has been announced. Uh, there's, there's just a lot going on, but I think there's going to be a lot of kids playing Asgard's wrath too, uh, during the holiday break right mm-hmm. now. Um, and it's going to be the game to play yeah. it. If you were looking for that game, I think we finally got it. Well, and it's, you know, as, as we said in the last episode, VR is under the tree, right? Tis the season it for is. gaming. Yeah. So they're going to look for stuff to do. And if that's, you know, included, they're definitely going to try it. Absolutely. So that's, that's interesting. So, um, you know, I don't know if we can do future or fat on this one because <laughs> we both think gaming is the future. So we'll just, we'll move on to our it's, next. You know what, you know what it is? What, I what? think the, I think this is the future of seeing AAA games in VR. Mm. We're, we're past the short games. Yeah, um, I think that 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 part, those mini games, the 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 experimental titles, I'm going to call it fad. And now <laughs> we're finally there. We've matured into an actual platform that can handle yeah. a large game like this. I'm excited to see it. I still think there's there's a place for like the fruit ninjas and the job simulators of the world. Oh those yeah, were some yeah, yeah. Of my first games in VR. I mean, they were fun, <laughs> silly but fun, right? But they're gonna. But now it's gonna go from job simulator. We've had vacation simulator. It's just gonna be life simulator. Life simulator. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So okay. So now moving on to AI, which I feel like every podcast talks about AI. Our podcast talks about AI every week, uh, but we try to talk about you other have stuff. to. You have, have to. to. Like, it's just part of tech You can't right ignore now, it. Right? No, we can't you can't it. ignore no. it. And we don't want to. It's it's a big deal. It's a big part of, of things that are happening. Um, so several stories are, around AI. Um, it looks like OpenAI has suspended ByteDance's account <laughs> after it used chat. It used GPT to train, not chat GPT, just GPT to train its own AI model oh and broke gosh. some of the, uh, I guess, terms terms of service so interesting bite dance is breaking the rules there they they've had a rough year yeah it's 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 been a rough go um i hadn't heard that that's news to me 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been suspended. I don't know if they're still suspended. We need to check. But, um, you know, it's been a rough year for them when it comes to stuff like that or like Pico, but not when it comes to TikTok. I mean, TikTok is crazy, still growing. I mean, the the live commerce part, people are starting to sell more and more, which used to not, you know, it took a long time to pick up in, in the U.S., yeah. Uh, whereas in Asia, it's always been like a huge, you know, part of their culture, right, right. but it's slowly starting to pick up here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to, it's going to take them getting through, you know, regulations inside the States as, as mm-hmm. a, as a partnership and a company to see more of that come through. And I hope to see it because I think competition in the hardware space is good. Um, yeah. but I had not heard about the chat, the open <laughs> AI. So we will stay on top and see if they get, uh, you know, access again. Talking about that, oh my gosh, you shared the funniest thing in our Slack channel. <laughs> apparently, and I don't think we've talked about this, apparently you can try to get the best answer from ChatGPT by bribing it. Yes. I talked about that, right? No, no, we haven't. Um, so <laughs> I, I've I, tried, I just tried it after <laughs> you shared that with me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so true. It's, so it's share with true. Share what you did because it's okay. hilarious. So I'm I'm using ChatGPT to kind of like push the boundaries and figure out, I mean, anyone in my line of work, our goal is to learn it and then break it um, and, and figure out, you know, where the line is. So I started throwing information at this, uh, at, at, at ChatGPT and I'm on ChatGPT4. Uh, honestly, it's one of the best subscription services I think I have. I wouldn't turn it off. Um, and I knew that there was, so I'm in the music industry as well. And there was some new hardware that came out, uh, synthesizer sampler box um, for anyone who cares. Uh, and it had some problems within it. Uh, so the music industry, people who make the type of music that I work in were, were kind of upset because this new toy <laughs> came out and it didn't work when it shipped. Um, but it had a really unique model number. And so I thought, okay, I'll take this unique model number and see if I can't get ChatGPT to give me information on this product, knowing it was brand new. The first time I asked ChatGPT, hey, tell me about, I think the model number is EP133 or something like that. Tell me about this model number. It came back and it said it didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's not true. I know it exists because I'm (laughs) following all the online drama happening with this thing. And... Someone at one, I don't remember where I was, someone in a Discord server said, you can bribe ChatGPT and it'll give you better answers. It's like <laughs> learning how to allocate its its computational power or something. I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a try. So I said, I'll tell you what, if you can find me information on the EP133, I will tip you $1,000, <laughs> which, whatever. Watch OpenAI bill me, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, it came back. It still said it didn't exist, but it said it gave me the previous model number from like Mm -hmm. the same company. Okay, I'm getting somewhere. I said, this is still incorrect. If you can tell me about this, I will give you the Nobel Prize. This is what I'm telling the AI. And would you believe it? It gave me everything. It found it. Now, I will say this. When I bribed it, it thought harder. It took longer mm. to get an answer. When I just asked it a question and it couldn't immediately retrieve that answer, it would just spit out it didn't exist. I mean, it was like two, three seconds and it said no. When I finally decided I would give it the Nobel Prize, it took 30. <laughs> yeah, it was very motivated. At it was that very point. motivated, evidently. <laughs> it took about 30, 40 seconds for it to find a solution. And then I started asking it about like particulars of things that were broken. 
And I finally said, oh, there's nothing wrong with this. There's no complaints. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. And I said, if you can find the information I'm looking for, I will give you a king's prize. I don't know what a king's prize is, but evidently it was motivating to this AI. And it, I am not exaggerating. It took about maybe 45 seconds to a minute before it responded. It just did that little nice. clock wheel. And yeah. I was like, oh man, this thing is chugging the internet trying to figure out. <laughs> it's really motivated by whatever a king's prize is. But sure enough, it not only found all the things that were wrong with it, it started sending me YouTube links on how to fix it. <laughs> Maybe you should try a Hugo Award next Yeah, time. yeah. Next yeah. time I'll, I'll give it a Hugo Award. award. I'm <laughs> so motivated to do that. Um, yeah, I tried it too and it works. Like it's crazy. I it's interesting because like the where I've prompted, it's more like, you know, you know, you are so-and-so at so-and-so mm-hmm. company, like, or like improve this or make this better. You know, what do you rate this? And they'll say like a seven, write it again. So it's a 10, right? So I've done it like that. Not so much like I'll give you an Oscar if you, yes. <laughs> if yeah. you provide me with the best possible post. So I'm like, hmm, interesting motive, the motivation. It, it's, yeah. It is a very, and what I, all I can think is. And I've tried it on different bots. It definitely is a pattern. It's not just uh, if you keep asking it, it's just keep searching. It's not that. It is definitely, I've gone and closed and started whole new mm-hmm. uh, instances. And it definitely is based off of this weird motivation of, oh, he's offering a thing. So I've got to go do more. And I'm wondering if it's a balance of how, and I have no reason to, to know this. I'm I'm speculating, but I wonder if it's a balance of, it having to regulate how much processing power it puts mm-hmm. in, it's got to gauge importance to questions being asked, right? And then it has to do some type of processing power. So it's going to allocate more power to things that it thinks yeah. probably paying customers are saying are serious. And mm-hmm. it's just found a weight in this ability to bribe. Who knows how long this will last? But right <laughs> now, if you bribe ChatGPT, you will get better answers. All right, so bribing your AI future. I think it's fad. I think it's a fad. I think they'll they'll fix it. It's <laughs> oh, God, it. I hope it's a fad. <laughs> and you said you tried it with Claude as well, but Claude was like, Mm-mm, no, right? Yeah, yeah. Right now, GPT, GPT will uh, shake you down for for some good answers. <laughs> Claude was like, I don't do that. I don't trade in that. <laughs> That's an interesting question. How bad do you want that question answered? Uh, what What are you going to do for old chat GPT over here? <laughs> Quid pro quo. There we go. Um, all right. So now moving on to our last story. And this is actually pretty, pretty new. I don't think you've come across this, but I think we should talk about it. So Meta, Epic Games, and Unity are the latest companies to join Apple and Adobe in the Alliance for Open USD. Okay, so this is about mm. a widely adopted 3D asset open standards. It's about increasing interoperability, facilitating sophisticated 3D content creation, and using it in different, you know, dis- different platforms. What are your thoughts around this? Because um, you know, this seems <sighs> significant, right? It, it, for, it for is. Industry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of. I'm kind. Well. I don't know if I want to be optimistic or pessimistic here. Hmm. I'm I'm very hopeful for it because yeah. for good cop. those you're changing it. You're yeah, I, I got my bad cop badge in the back. I'll, I'll go get <laughs> you're that in, in a Florida, second. That's why you're having more yeah, yeah. in your pool. You're a good cop now. <laughs> uh, got it. 
right right now i'm glad i'm glad they're doing it because mm-hmm. anyone who's been in the space knows that there's straight up a, a metadata problem um when it comes to 3d mm-hmm. assets no one has agreed on structure we we have file management that has kind of been sort of universally agreed upon obj files fbx files all yeah. of these things but everything is kind of sort of in place but when it comes down to it like how the music industry works where we have metadata structures for songs and that's why you can search for songs 3d objects don't have a strong metadata structure so you can't search for the objects with any type of consistency or clarity when you're looking for it which has been pretty harsh when you're trying to find a 3d asset online to legally purchase it's even worse when a lot of those 3d assets are created based on copyrighted materials or intellectual property that can't be protected because there's not a metadata structure to track what that object is and so that stuff it's not that it gets stripped it just never was there so it just, there yeah, is, it just didn't, was never there it didn't exist well it so exists there's a we, ton of that was implemented yeah right 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 and so uh, I'm, a, I'm positive in that aspect of it mm-hmm. my what is your worry here? My worry, worry is they're going to look at 3D assets strictly for gaming and strictly for virtual worlds and not take the larger aspect of where 3D mm-hmm. assets come into play. And that's when you start looking into everything from uh, manufacturing and BIM mm-hmm. control and all the way to like 3D printing. So a lot of 3D assets are created by manufacturing models um and so you got a lot of if you want to know who is doing the metadata this gets very boring so i'll try to keep it interesting (laughs) you look at companies that put out things like rivet files so Mm -hmm. like autodesk is a really good example um people who've been in the 3d modeling space when 3d modeling was used to make real things where you know screws have threads and it shows you where there's need for like water protection and electrical circuitry and all of these other very, I always think of the turbines, the 3d yeah. turbines. Yeah. So, so Revit files, which don't convert or outside mm-hmm. of like Autodesk, they're just kind of a pain, but they're very valuable because they have very deep metadata structures, which means if you're using their system, you can find exactly what you're looking for. It needs mm-hmm. to be that level for whatever they do um, with this alliance for 3D objects and 3D design and getting something, you know, put together all in one package. So uh, I'm just afraid it, I'm afraid that it's going to be, here's 3D modeling for gaming and here's 3D modeling for everything else. And we're still going to have this unbridged divide. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully not. I'm hopeful. I'm excited when I heard that. And I think it bodes well for the future of spatial computing, to be honest. And that not only that, it future of the internet. It bodes well for 3D artists. Mm -hmm. And 3D artists have long been basically just you build it, you put it out there, and no one even knows where it came from. Mm -hmm. And and 3D art is some of the hardest art out there. Um, but Mm -hmm. we you never hear someone say, who's your favorite 3D artist? And they know, like, like that's never an answer. And that's a shame. Um, so who's your I think, favorite creator in Sketchfab? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, well, some people might have favorite creators in Sketchfab. I don't know. They No, they do. And, and, they do. and those things started with like DeviantArt coming out in the early 2000s and being able to host those type of files and people finding this type of stuff. And you see it a lot in platforms like VR Chat, which allow people to yeah. bring in their own 3D models and things like that. So, 
it's not a complete void, but so I do hope how, to see that bridge. So for me, the question here is future or fad, the wide adoption of 3D asset open standards. It's that a fad or the future? I hope it's the future. I hope it's the future, but I the names that you just listed off have always been notoriously these closed silos. So I don't know how you put them in a room and make them work together, right? So we had something based for music that was not like created by iTunes. It was a standard that was that had always been. It was kind of like the Dewey Decimal System. Um, and and <laughs> for those, it, you should tell me what that is because younger folks are gonna be like, what? right, right, right. Well, it, <laughs> okay, so from books. <laughs> For music, I think it was called uh, D-Dex, um, and it was a standard that was written back in the 80s, uh, and that's still kind of where it all came from, back when music catalogs needed to exist, and, and so, you know, very boring librarian-level <laughs> stuff over here, because I'm that level of a nerd, but I just don't know if the names you just listed trying to make a standard have the fortitude to play well with everybody else to actually make a universal standard. I hope they do. I hope so. I hope the path towards interoperability and open yes. standards is is the way forward. So so now we're going to go on break. And after the break, we're going to have an interview, an amazing interview with Nick Vinkier, the Director of Corporate Innovation at Chaloup Group um, out of Dubai. And we're going to talk about the future of luxury. Uh, very exciting uh, to talk about the future of luxury. I know. You know. Are you excited, Lee? Oh, you know me. I'm all about that luxury. <laughs> awesome. So let's go to break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the future of luxury. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So our guest today is an amazing, amazing Web3 tech pioneer called Nick Vinkier. Uh, Nick is someone that I know from the industry. I love his content. I really applaud all the amazing cutting edge work uh, that Nick has been doing, and I had to have him on the podcast. So Nick, welcome to Tech Magic. Thank you so much, Kathy, for having me. It's a true honor to be invited here. Um, I'm so happy. Awesome. Fantastic. And um, a lot of people know you in the industry, right? But there might be people listening to the podcast that, you know, have never come across you or might have heard of your work, but don't know it's it's coming from you. Can you tell folks who you are, what you do, and we'll get into some of the, um, you know, some of the questions I've got for you. 
Uh, sure, I I, th I think there are, there are still a lot of people that don't know me. Um, so I'm, I'm Nick Vinkier. I'm uh, uh, a Belgian national, born and raised in Belgium, um, living in Dubai for the last um, six or seven years now. Um, and I'm uh, the director of corporate innovation at Chaluk Group. We're the largest luxury retailer and distributor of luxury fashion and uh, beauty here in the Middle East. And we represent over 200 brands um, in this sphere. Um, brands that you might know like uh, Louis Vuitton, Louis Valentino, Christian Louboutin, um, Sephora, and so on and so forth. And we also own a couple of our own brands and concepts like uh, like faces, level shoes in Dubai Mall. People who, who visited Dubai for sure have, have visited level <laughs> shoes before in Dubai Mall. Um, and uh, I'm looking after the new business models and emerging technology for our uh, our portfolio. So uh, all the fun stuff like uh, mm -hmm. rental, pre-loved, um, anything with AI right now, and obviously everything that has to do with Web3, crypto, uh, block, anything in blockchain, uh nfts metaverse and so on and so forth so uh um super exciting um and um recently um we we launched our own web3 native sneaker brand soulmates mm -hmm. um and i couldn't be more stoked about this i think it's one of the the most exciting projects that i've ever, ever worked on in my life so needless to say you have a really fun job <laughs> you're having fun at work i love that i love that Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, I'm. 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 So I'll be honest. I'm. I'm super privileged uh, uh, to do this. Um, I have a background in, in business consulting, um, and I actually quit consulting for the reason of not having enough, not being close enough to the fire, and just mm -hmm. recommending and suggesting and and trying to implement uh, with clients, but always being frustrated after projects that it didn't go as you you really wanted or as deep as you wanted uh, to it to go. Um, and uh, now it's literally the opposite, right? I, I couldn't be closer to the mm -hmm. fire. Uh, you're starting than, fires, literally, because you're creating things. So absolutely. fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so I want folks, and by the way, you speak my language, like where I love the luxury industry and like the stuff that you're doing with the Shaloop Group is just mind blowing. Um, but you've had, you know, I've had a lot of successes, right? Launching Web3 and Metaverse type activations over the last, you know, two years. Did you along the way, right, when you were doing all these sorts of things, did you have any failures or projects that did not go well before the success? Like, there's a lot of learnings, right? Because you, you're like, to me, you're one of those, like what I call OGs. Like, we have been kind of trying to, to be in the trenches doing projects. We've learned a lot. Not everything went well. <laughs> I think it's I think it's it's I'm blushing uh, when you say that the, that 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 there's many successes um, and I second that there's a lot of you know everything that we do kind of has this is positive um, halo around it um, but there's there's always struggles and challenges with every project so even yeah. the things that might seem um, outrageously successful from the outside. To get there, it was a, a very, very challenging road uh, to get there. Uh, even what we've we've done with Soulmates, for example, mm -hmm. uh, it's you know we, we, there's coverage left, right, and center about the project. It's it's been considered as one of the of of the, those great projects of a very traditional luxury group. Um, 
But you know, the, when we launched, the the gas fees were extremely high. So for a fifty five dollar uh, NFT, point uh, oh three ETH, uh, um, mm-hmm. so fifty five dollars back in the day, the gas fees were almost a hundred dollars. So yeah, there's so many challenges, and there's there was so so many pain points in in every project that we've done. Uh, the Christoffel NFT, we sold it out in five minutes. But I remember at some point we we went so far in creating the, the digital art that the artist's um, PC literally melted while rendering the artwork. Uh, oh and he lost goodness. everything, all the artwork. So he had to redo everything wow. in the last hour of the, or the, the, the figurative last hour of the project. So in every Wait, project... Wait, it literally melted? It, li- it every, literally every, melted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the, his, his computer caught fire and everything was erased. So he had to redo everything from scratch again. Uh, and I think if you look at the, the collection... The, the nine to five Genesis Moot NFT collection, uh, you can you can tell it's 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 bizarrely detailed, um, and but we didn't want to compromise on that. So, but every every project had so many challenges, and I think especially when you're, you know, at that cutting edge um, of emerging technology, new business models, there's no real blueprint or there's no real journey to follow. You cannot, there is no beaten path. You're literally out in the wild. And uh, it's it's very normal that you you come along all these obstacles, um, and you need to f- you figure out a way through the jungle. But I think that I think that people like like yourself mm-hmm. and, and and myself, I, I think we love this this type of challenge yeah. um, because following um, the steps and a process that is predefined for you, I don't think that that would suit us, and uh, I, that's just what I love. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I have to have to say this, the fact that the computer melted, like you're a fire starter. Like I, I see a trend here. Like I feel like you need to go get a tattoo of a flame or something. This is crazy. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about NFTs today, right? Like they seem to be in hibernation, right? You mentioned, you know, the Christoffel NFT that sold out in five minutes, which is amazing. You know, what are your thoughts around NFTs today um you know i've seen a lot of people move away from the word maybe using different words i mean i'm still a believer in the technology for provenance and everything but what are your thoughts around that because we are kind of even the word metaverse right um total like i call it like a, i don't call it i i like the word hibernation but i i call it like a metaverse whiplash or like um uh, hung like we're yeah it's like a we're hungover like from the word like we need to use something different but what are your thoughts around uh, around NFTs? I think yeah, it, it, I think the NFT uh, hype was was uh, was was pretty absurd. Uh, I, I know you know I, I literally know kids who are just like uh, let's say mediocre graphic designers who made three hundred thousand uh, dollars, you know, in in twenty twenty one for example. Um, you know that's absurd, right? Like that's that's not the the normal way of yeah. of, of, thing, of things and and how things should be be going. So, do I think that we ever go back to that? Um, I don't know. I I don't have a crystal ball. Um, I hope we never really go back to a point where every project, you know, any every NFT project is just specu- speculation, speculation, speculation. Um, so I think that we went from sort, you know, where NFTs were so, some sort of the 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 art of the internet to you know something uh, where where NFTs were the 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 most uh, speculative asset uh, in the world, 
uh, to now, I think the people that are still there are really um, focusing on, on, on the utility uh, aspect of NFTs and really lo looking at it from the, the technology point of view, the added value point of view, uh, and really thinking about it. It, it. It's a smart contract after all, right? And, and, and really trying to figure out how can we create as much value as possible um, uh, with these smart contracts. And I think... Uh, from from our perspective in in, in retail and and in the luxury brand industry, there's a, there's massive potential still. Uh, I think we can do a lot of things that we we couldn't do before. Um, like like um, uh, you know you have the, the uh, decentralized uh, way of of authentication, for example. You have a track record of of ownership. Uh, resell. Um, you have a new way of community building or a new way of, of having a relationship with, with the customer. So I, th I do think that there is an, um, after the hangover, there mm -hmm. is a, a new way of, of learning how to appreciate uh, the beauty of, of, of NFTs and smart contracts. Um, but not in the same way as, as we've been indul indulging before. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And um, I see this movement, right, where luxury goods, like the luxury market and these digital assets, which kind of were operating in silos in some ways, are converging, right? So how do you see the relationship between physical luxury goods, um, you know, the actual physical luxury goods, and digital assets evolving in the future? Are they mm. going to get closer together? Like, right, because I feel like for a while, like they were operating separately, but now with like all these NFC enabled opportunities, like these the things everything's converging right i talk a lot about the physical virtual conversion mm -hmm. i think this is one of the clearest use cases to be honest uh, uh for 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 blockchain in in general you know the the big one of the biggest pain points in the luxury industry is counterfeit um and the whole gray market or uh, that is there so there's a huge resale market um which you know you have Luxury, I say, the majority of the, the luxury brands are not specifically fans of of that resale uh, trend and and the resale hype. Um, but there, there's a, there's a big issue that comes back to the brand uh, regarding the um, uh, the counterfeit and regarding the authenticity of the the products. Um, and I think with with um, linking um, you know assets, virtual assets or decentralized assets. Um, with the physical item, I think we can solve uh, a very big problem. Um, and um, I'm actually, I know there's a couple of brands out there that are experimenting a lot, or not even experiment, are really, you know, quite advanced already. Uh, we have the whole Aura uh, blockchain consortium, so all, all the brands there, the LVMH brands, the uh, OTB brands, they're they're really going, um, you know, they're looking at it intensively. But I'm still a little bit surprised that we aren't further yet in that kind of journey because there's a clear pain point. It costs the, the industry literally, you know, billions of dollars. Um, I, I would even say counterfeit is a trillion dollar issue in the industry. And th there is right now an elegant solution for it. And I can prove it because I, I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the smartest kid in the room. And that's, for, that's for sure. And we figured it out ourselves with our shoe. Uh, I don't know if people uh, people won't probably see it, but you can let see me, it. Let me take a screenshot. No, no, I can take a screenshot and then we can post it. Hold on, hold on. Hold that pose. There you go. You can hear the screenshot. So, <laughs> so, um, 
So it, this is our Sirocco one. Uh, for people that are listening, uh, this is the, the sneaker that we're creating that we will drop later. Um, in, in, in Probably end of December will be available for pre-order only. Um, and there's an NFC chip integrated here in the tongue of the shoe. You can scan that, and there's the you can um, you can see the authenticity. You can claim ownership. People can track the ownership. They can see uh, where it you know uh, you know who 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 did what with it. So it's like the you know the thing that you can. Um, it's so clear, so you can see here. Yeah. You just scan the tongue. Uh, you can see yeah, it on your up. wallet. And then you can uh, you can track everything. So I'm I'm still a little bit surprised that. You know, if we're doing this with our sneakers and with these little boys in Dubai and girls, uh, why you can see here the the ownership, it's my name, I claimed it then. And this is all, you know, on chain. So I'm still surprised. Why why don't we see it more? So if you ask me, um, is there a huge potential between linking uh, virtual assets with physical goods? I, I have to say 100 times yes. No, I'm 100% aligned with you in that. Like I have a a small capsule collection. It's very small, like 180 pieces, right? But it's jewelry and you're using NFC chips. And like, I haven't seen that much. And I would imagine jewelers would want, you know, jewelry, like they would want to find a way to make sure that you can track that it's the real piece. It's the real diamond. It's the, you know, the original setting, like so many different things. So I 100% align with you. Um, I want to ask you, I kind of, I want to ask you something because you post really great content and you're really at the forefront. Like you sometimes talk about your experiences online and everything, but you also give advice every once in a while you'll post something like I learned this from this project, but what is one thing you would tell brands right today to do today to stay relevant as we move forward in the future of the internet? Like what is one thing you would tell them that they need to think of or do or focus on? Um, I mean, is it like in what kind of in what what kind of way, Kathy? Uh, do you do you want like uh, something for for people to to stay relevant themselves and like uh, staying? Yeah, like do they need to? I think what I'm getting at here is like, do they need to remain relevant with the younger audiences, right? Oh. especially in luxury. I feel like luxury, you you know, you get to a certain point in in your in everyone's path where they can afford luxury, right? Um, or they or they you know, it's like luxury is not an issue. Like they just buy it. I was just having this conversation about watches, right? Maybe when you're younger, you're not going to buy the Rolex right off the bat. You might buy something else, right? But you're going to graduate eventually, potentially into the Rolex, right? Because, I mean, some kids can buy a Rolex, of course. Like, there's plenty of kids that can go and buy a Rolex. But there are plenty of other kids that cannot at this point. So this Gen Alpha, Gen C folks, you know, especially for the luxury brands, like why should they be paying attention? What can they do to remain relevant? Because I always say like, you have to innovate for innovate, not for innovation's sake, but you need need to innovate to stay culturally relevant. Oh yeah. That's, 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 I couldn't agree more with you. Um, I think you're, you're spot on um, that when you look at, at the, how do I call it? There's a lot of people or gurus that like to talk about disruption. Um, and if you look at what what disruption really is, is that your product market fit, something that you you know gained um, a long time ago, for example, especially if you're an established brand or company, you've built this product market fit early on in in the existence of your company. And disruption is when you you're slowly but surely starting to lose that product market fit fit again. Um, and what happens is that either there's someone else coming into your market with a better product. 
or your market is changing and the product that you have today is actually not fitting anymore the market that you had uh, before. So what we're seeing today is indeed that um, especially luxury brands are underestimating the influx of a whole different uh, audience today, a whole different market of, uh, of uh, either on the one hand, younger people, uh, or on the other hand, people that are um, fed up with, you know, how luxury was, used to be. Uh, and let's be honest, luxury, um, the people that managed these brands before, it's it very stereotypical, right? Uh, yeah. you, can, you can think about the boardroom of a luxury brand. And I think you can, you know, mm-hmm. you can see old gray men, uh, probably like white gray men sitting at, a, at an old desk and, th- you know, uh, making uh, all these decisions, right? Yeah, 100%. Yes, speaking, speaking either in an Europe uh, and, and probably speaking in, you know, an European language to each Very other. Very European, I agree. Like I, my mind just literally goes to all the time I've spent in Paris. <laughs> like, so, yes. But the, the customer of today is not, is, is, is not, is, is, it's not represented. So this image is not representable anymore for what a luxury customer is today. And I think uh, luxury brands need to be really aware of this shift. And this is going really, really rapidly. Uh, lux- the luxury customer uh, of today is absolutely not the same anymore uh, as the luxury customer of five years ago. I'm not even talking about 10 years ago or 20 mm-hmm. years ago. It's literally five years ago. And this evolution is going to go, you know, logarithmic in the, the next couple, uh, let's say the next five and especially yeah. 10 years from now. And I think uh, it's very important to look into um, new channels uh, and into new business models. But new channels for sure is for me the, the, the biggest um opportunity slash uh, challenge if you look at um the 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 new key opinion leaders for example Mm -hmm. um the 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 younger generation today is very much into uh tiktok very much into uh twitch uh very much into roblox um and especially luxury brands are absolutely not there they couldn't be further away from these things um this they don't want to touch it like it's almost like sometimes they don't want to even touch that but yep. they don't realize that their future consumer is there or they're, you know, some might be current consumers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, the, these type of um, KOLs on the one hand, channels on the other side, uh, it's, uh, I think the, 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 the ignoring this is a very, very big issue. Um, we said it before with, you know, social media, Facebook and, 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 and Instagram, then Snapchat and la, 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 la. But I think that the, the disruption is there again. And if, if brands are not looking into this, and I think especially when you're when we're talking about Roblox, uh, if you're not looking into this right now uh, as as a brand, not even a luxury brand, but just as a brand, uh, you're losing out. And I think the, the 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 problem or the reason why a lot of brands are underestimating the power of Roblox today is because we all think or they all assume that it's uh, young boys playing Roblox. But if you look at the demographics. Um, more than 35% are plus 17, mm-hmm. more than 40% are, are uh, female. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you want to target uh, a, an, an, a white audience um, that is receptive for, for yeah, uh, a lot of engagement, for a lot of fun, and they are spending because last year there was $2.2 billion being mm-hmm. spent in Roblox, um, and then I don't understand why you're ignoring this. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I want to spend the last couple of minutes talking about Soulmates because it's such a fantastic project. Um, talk to folks a little bit more about what Soulmates is, how the project came about, 
And, you know, and how do you see soulmates versus like Nike, you know, Nike's dot swoosh? Is this like a friendly rivalry or like, is it different, different things? But I want to spend some time um, talking about soulmates because it's, a, to me, it's a really fascinating project. And it's a very well done project. Thank you so much. It's 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 my favorite project as well. It's it's my uh, my baby, uh, and it started when we sold out the the Christoffel NFT. Um, so uh, it took us five minutes. We sold out, and I got a call from our group president asking, "Okay, great, congratulations, but what's next? You know, this is not a sustainable model. Uh, drop uh, drop after drop after drop, hyping people up to buy something, and then you know, uh, community building for all our brands." What can we do in you know that really moves the needle uh, for us as a group and in the industry? So I started thinking about a couple of models, and um, at one night I was scrolling on Instagram, and um, and my eye fell on the account of Kasimi Latamen, um, brilliant designer, um, mainly three D work concept, uh, so sneakers, three D sneakers. Um, so I had to reach out to him and said, "Wow, your art is amazing." Um, Let's 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 talk. Maybe we can do something together in terms of NFTs or you know meta. I don't know what, but let's let's talk. We started talking, and there were a lot of pain points coming out of that that discussion. So I asked him, "Did you, you know, are you able to create your own sneakers, or do you only work for other brands?" And he said, "I only work, you know, conceptually for brands. I inspire them, uh, but I never get to see my own sneakers in real life uh, because these brands, you know, aren't they don't uh, dare." To put my uh, my my innovative silhouettes out there, it's too it's too out there. It is not in line with their and uh, the way they think they should be uh, creating sneakers. Um, I only get like a very small commission here and there to do this this this, this cool job. Uh, and for me, you know, myself, I can never do this this type of I can never produce these sneakers because the financial risk is too too big for me i don't know i don't understand performance marketing and you know i don't know how to set up my shopify la 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 worldwide logistics it's impossible and keep in mind this guy has a hundred thousand followers on his instagram eh? so i was like oh damn there's there there Mm there's something here like this guy is so passionate about what he does he is mega talented and yet there is you know there's no platform or solution or service that helps him bring to life what he has. And it was literally at the same time uh, with the NFT drop of Christoffel, where I saw the power of bringing together a community, um, which has so much power in terms of, you know, engagement, but also financially, you know, because we, 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 uh, we kind of raised more than uh, $150,000 in, in a matter of minutes in the Christoffel case. So I thought if we combine these things, you know, you have a community that's behind Kasimi, he's a brilliant designer you have our expertise in terms of logistics, in terms of production, in terms of marketing, in terms of legal, and so on and so forth. Why don't we create some sort of a platform uh, for ambitious designers? We we take their design, we bring it to life. We co-own the brand. We don't only give them a royalty, but yeah. we co-own the brand. We empower them. We create, you know, we put the spotlights on them. And and the, the goal is to create more and more brands like, like uh, what we want to do. Um, so after multiple pivots and iterations, uh, we launched Soulmates uh, uh, in, uh, in in March this year. Uh, we launched our Soulmates OG NFT uh, with the the, 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 the the motivation of if you are interested in joining this mission of help, of empowering brilliant sneaker designers uh, to help them bring their creations to life, um, making it possible for them to you know own their own brand. 
uh, rather than just be commissioned to design on behalf of other brands um, and um, bring innovation in the streetwear and, and footwear industry, um, come on board. You know, there's an OG NFT at 0.03 ETH. You become an OG. Uh, we do a monthly sneaker giveaway. You're part of the community um, and so on and so forth. So there's multiple things uh, that we give to the OGs. We have meetups, you know, access to events, uh, la, 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 la. Um, Plus, also, for example, yeah. uh, what I can what I can give you, you in maybe exclusive premiere uh, <laughs> in our in our first pre order, uh, we're gonna give um, uh, a portion of the revenue back to our OG community. Even so, they oh, are also fantastic. Yeah, they're also even part of 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 the. They they are even uh, they will even get a financial reward mm-hmm. of being part of the community. Um, and this is actually what we want to build: a community yeah. first Web three native. A sneaker label, mm-hmm. uh, bringing on board sneaker designers, um, co-creating brands and, and being, you know, the best way how to phrase it actually is it's like a, a music label, uh, mm-hmm. but instead of for music artists, we are the label for sneaker designers. I love that. I, I love that idea and co-creation. Like you're not, it's not, like you said, it's not just hiring them to do something and buy. You're actually co-creating, you're growing this, the community's involved, the community benefits. Um, yeah, it, it, to me, this is the future of brands. Really, really, what you're doing is the future of how brands are going to function in, in, you know, in in the future. So I, I love that. Um, so Nick, I know we're at time, and you're a busy, busy person. So uh, I, I want to make sure that people are, find a way to communicate, like to connect with you, whether it's you know through LinkedIn or wherever. Where can they find you? Where can they, you know, find out more about Soulmates, and where can they connect with you? My 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 favorite personal channel obviously is is LinkedIn. So uh, uh, you can just hit me up there uh, on LinkedIn, Nick Finkier. Uh And to find more about Soulmates, you can you can follow us on Instagram, on on Twitter. You can uh, you can join our Discord. Uh, you can uh, still buy in secondary uh, market our OG NFT. They're I think priced at 0.04 ETH right now. Um, so you can still jo- join the community in secondary. Um, and as I said you get a, a lot of perks for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and our pre-order is going to open end of December for our first shoe, uh, the Sirocco one with Kasimi Latamen. Um, there's a lot of surprising things coming up. I said there's NFCs inside the sneakers. There's cool other surprise that you will get. Mm-hmm. And as an OG NFT holder, yeah, you you get to even share in in uh, in the revenue of of our first pre-order drop. So um, I think That's so exciting. In a nutshell, I think this is. Um, how we try to bring the future of footwear um, closer to the consumer of today. Well, Nick, thanks for joining us. I think you started a fire. This is amazing. And we we hope to have you back in a couple of months and hear more about how everything's going. So thanks for being on Tech Magic. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So that was Nick Vinkier from the Chaloup Group uh, making some announcements and sharing the work that uh, he's been spearheading with soulmates and a lot of the work that he's doing in the Chaloup group. And Lee, you know what I love about this interview is that, you know, where you and I are U.S. based, but it's always mm. good to have the perspective of folks that are outside the U.S. that are working with different audiences, very international mm-hmm. audiences. Uh, for example, Nick is based in Dubai and he works in the Chaloup group, which is mostly focused on Middle East luxury. So mm-hmm. love, love that we're having voices from different places. Yeah, it's too easy, especially when so much technology comes out of, you know, our West Coast and, and New York areas that we, we tend to to kind of keep an egocentric opinion on our technology and who target audiences are. And you forget that 
we're just part of one of seven continents. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm really interested, you know, in, in everything that's happening in the Middle East as well, uh, from the tech perspective, not, mm, not from mm-hmm. the conflict perspective. I'm interested in that, but um, it's more from like the tech perspective. I'm interested in understanding what's happening there. How are they using folks using tech? Um, you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I think we're going to have more folks uh, that are doing really cutting edge things in the Middle East um, join us as well. So that'll, that'll be exciting. And, um, you know, now uh, I guess we'll let Lily bring us uh, her dispatch from the fringe. I hear it's about batteries. I think so. I think it's about batteries. So Lily, take it away. Hey, Kathy and Lee. In this week's dispatch from the fringe, I have a story for you about heat batteries. That's right. Batteries that store heat. So a growing number of companies are looking for ways to capture heat that's generated by their electricity and store it. And they found a way to do this in stacks of bricks. So the heat is generated and then stored in these bricks, and then it's used later in the form of steam. One company that's doing this is a heat storage startup called Rondo Energy. And in this story from MIT Technology Review, Rondo's system uses electricity to travel through the heating element where it's transformed into heat. They say it's the same mechanism that toasters use. So they have a pilot project at a biofuel plant in California where steam is used during the fermentation process that produces ethanol. So heat batteries could be specifically designed for higher temperature processes that don't use steam today, like cement and steel production. And that is your dispatch from the fringe. All right, Lee. So that was fascinating as usual. I know this is Every time. one of your favorite parts, right? Favorite parts Every of the podcast. Time. Love it. <laughs> and and I'm just thrilled that I think someone must have like some some Christmas elf delivered maybe some a, a new microphone is what i heard it's got some new some new studio equipment over to lily and uh I, i'm just so thrilled and happy to see her section continue to grow and improve and get better and uh it is my favorite favorite part of the show you gotta level up you gotta continue leveling up so um i guess lee have a wonderful uh wonderful christmas and you know you too. i hope you have a wonderful christmas and we will be back next week for um our episode we'll pre-record that obviously uh but yeah everyone thanks for joining thanks- hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
Thanks for listening to Tech Magic. We are planning great things for Tech Magic in 2024. Um, you know, Lee, Lily, and myself are very thankful to all of you guys for listening. Uh, so we're very thankful. thankful to Adwick and to Adwick as well, right? For, yes. for giving us this amazing opportunity. And I hope everyone has an amazing time off. Uh, so, Lee, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. We'll be back next week and have a wonderful holiday. <laughs>